there, you are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera, and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nicole and I am here with Brooke Scheller, our functional medicine nutritionist here at Integrated Wellness Group. And today we are going to be talking to you about pandas as well as pans, Uh, P-A-N-S. Pans is something that is not as well talked about in um, our current healthcare system. It's more so pandas. But for those of you that are new to this information, what we're describing is uh, pediatric acute onset of neuropsychiatric syndrome. Um, And then when you're dealing more so with pandas, we're dealing with uh, the same exact neuropsychiatric syndromes, but that are specifically caused by strep. So this is the same type of strep that you can get when you are getting something like strep throat. Yeah, and this is something that I think is really interesting because getting strep strep throat is so common. You know, if you ask anybody, most of the time you're going to have someone who reports a history of having strep throat, Uh, especially when you're in childhood or as a teenager, you know, a lot of people are getting this and they're getting these recurrent infections. And one thing that I always find so interesting is when we do some lab analysis, and we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes, we often see that the strep bacteria lingers within someone's system. So I think that's kind of groundbreaking for a lot of people because we think that we get exposed to a bacteria or an infection, we take an antibiotic and then it disappears and it's gone forever. But what we really wanna talk about today is how um, strep bacteria and some other infections can linger in the system and eventually start to cause other symptoms. Yeah, and I think that's huge that you mentioned that because What's so interesting with the type of testing that we do here at Integrative Wellness Group is we're very we're getting very focused on the areas of the body that are the most stressed by these infections. So we have different ways that we evaluate what organ systems are the most stressed or even what joints are the most stressed. So very commonly we are finding strep in the tonsils when someone is not even sick necessarily. But we're also finding strep in the area of the tonsils in people that have had their tonsils removed. And people are so baffled by it because they're like, I don't understand you know, how that is happening. And it's just the reason why your tonsils were inflamed in the first place is because you had an overabundance of these different, different types of infections, strep being one. But unfortunately, strep doesn't usually live alone. We often find that there are different types of molds that are airborne in either water-damaged buildings or old musty basements or school systems. And this is often living amongst the strep and you know really gunking up our tonsils and then causing these reoccurring infections or even just our tonsils being enlarged. And despite us getting the tonsils removed, sometimes it's pushed into the surrounding tissue. So it's still actually causing problems in the lymph nodes of the surrounding area. And then what kind of uh, piggybacks that is when we're evaluating um, men or women that are dealing with autoimmune thyroid issues. 
and we're looking at an immune system that is now attacking a thyroid, um, when you take that uh, take the step back to understand why that's happening is the immune system is in charge of attacking infections. So it makes a lot of sense if the immune system is attacking a certain area of the body, it's because there is an infection located there. And when you think about the proximity of the tonsils to the thyroid, it's extremely, extremely close in proximity. So it is very common that whatever infections are in the tonsils are actually shared into the thyroid when these infections are reoccurring or they're persistent. Yeah, and I think it's really important that you mention the connection with the lymphatic system because the lymphatic system is going to carry bacteria, infections, whatever it might be, around the entire body. So even if you know we're we're commonly seeing that within the tonsils or we're seeing it in the thyroid in the throat area, um, that's not to say that it can't travel to different areas in the body. So for example, we've actually seen strep bacteria living in different organ systems, living in different joints, and causing some disruption in those areas too. Yeah, and when you're when you mention the joints, I think that something, especially because part of our practice is chiropractic, and as chiropractors, you know, we're looking at physical ailments, physical pain, you know, joint dysfunction, and one of the things that we really started to do is to to decipher if the joint problem is actually infectious or not. And we have found over and over again that strep is something that commonly lives in the knees and also the hips. And a lot of times it's also living with its friends, which is uh, the Lyme infection, which is called Borrelia. So these infections are something that are very, very common in the body, and they can be in places that you would never necessarily uh, expect. Safety in numbers, right? Yeah. (laughs) But let's talk a little bit about how it relates back to the neurological system and causing these symptoms in people with diagnosis of PANDAS or PANS. Well, one thing I want to say, too, is when you're dealing with some type of neurological disorder, it's usually not one thing. And I really think that is very, very important for parents to take away when they're dealing with a child who is on either the spectrum of of autism or pandas or they full-blown have the diagnosis. Because strep, yes, is problematic. And especially when the strep infection becomes abundant enough that now there is an autoimmune component. So the immune system is attacking the strep, but unfortunately it is also attacking the neurological system that the strep is being housed in. But there are a lot of other infections that also can, first of all, be co-infections to the strep but in addition, have an affinity for the neurological system. So I would say in our practice, the biggest thing that we're seeing is Lyme's disease. Um, And then the co-infections of Lyme. So one being Babesia and the other being Bartonella. Bartonella having a huge affinity for the neurological system. And then on top of that, we have these heavy metals. Unfortunately, you know, it's still not an uncommon practice to get silver amalgam fillings in your teeth, even with, you know, kids nowadays. And these silver amalgam fillings have mercury in them. So that's primary, the primary constituent in there. So if we're dealing with a heavy metal like mercury or even aluminum, which is very commonly in our kitchens, aluminum foil, aluminum pots and pans, then we have these heavy metals that are causing neurological stress, 
then we have strep causing neurological stress and then we have the possibility of these other infections in that Lyme category that are also causing neurological stress. So it's a whole culmination of different things that are causing the body to go in complete disarray. Yeah, and I think that's where the testing becomes really important because, you know, every every bug or, or bacteria or infection is going to represent itself in a different way in the body. And your body is going to, or your immune system is going to create antibodies to attack these specific infections. So typically you want to look for different antibodies that are going to tell you, you know, is this related back to actual strep or is it some other infection or is it this culmination of things that we're talking about? Um, so let's talk a little bit more about really how we're going to do some of the diagnosis component of that. Yeah, uh, I think this is really important because the top things that we are going to always be making sure that we evaluate through our testing when someone is coming in with suspicion of pandas or with the diagnosis of pandas is we are always going to rule in or out if there is some level of mold exposure, if the mold exposure is current or if the mold exposure is from the past. And this is very important to understand because if you know that uh, your child was born and they lived maybe their first year or two of life in a older home or a moldy home and then you moved and you moved into this brand new construction, then you assume problem is solved and that's not always the case. Some people, based off of their genetics, will not necessarily detox the mold and they mycotoxins which are also toxic to the neurological system, they will not necessarily get rid of that. So we will always look at mold. We will always look at Lyme as well as the co-infections. We do this through very, very specific lab testing. We will do blood work. Uh, we sometimes will also do DNA uh, urinary tests. And then we also use our in-house autonomic response testing. And then in addition, we're also going to be looking at general autoimmunity in the body. We're looking to see if there is that autoimmune component to the strep. Um, we're also looking if there is strep and where it's located. And then we're also looking at heavy metal exposure as well. And that's something that we primarily do through hair sample, which is super easy for children. And then sometimes we opt to do a urinary sample if needed. And what I think is fine, I'm finding is really interesting is this this diagnosis of PANS because in looking into this, it essentially is considered the same syndrome without the strep as the trigger. So what's really interesting to me here is, is they're ruling out the idea of the actual strep antibodies being in the picture, but they're not necessarily ruling anything else into the picture. So it's kind of this non-associated disorder, um, which in doing some research, they are finding is correlated more with Lyme. So I think um, talking about the testing, it's really important to have an accurate diagnosis of if Lyme is something that is in the picture or not. Uh, and that's something that we see a lot that you know people have been tested and uh, Lyme has been ruled out and then doing some of these more specialized tests because this is such a tricky bug, um, we do find that that is playing a role in their in their infections. Yeah, and I wanna talk a little bit more about Lyme because some of you listening might be very alarmed right now. You know, I think that especially living in the New England area, you know, we hear about Lyme, but unfortunately we hear about people that have Lyme or had had Lyme that are in really bad shape. 
And there is this connotation around Lyme that you're going to be non-functional or debilitated to some capacity because of how extreme the condition is. And the biggest thing to understand is that when you have a Lyme infection um, or a pandas infection, like I said earlier, it doesn't live alone. It is very, very rare that we have just Lyme or just pandas or just mycotoxin mold exposure. Unfortunately, when you're talking about Lyme, you're talking about chronic strep infections or you're talking about mold. I don't know which one came first for your specific case, but all of these things are very debilitating to the immune system. So what happens is if you get one of these infections, you probably are okay. You probably don't really have many symptoms. But what happens is if the immune system starts to become compromised, now you become a Petri dish essentially because the first line of defense is not there anymore. So you eat something that has bacteria on it. And instead of your immune system being able to fight it off, now it just collects into your system. And then you go out and you eat sushi. Unfortunately, it ends up being bad sushi. And you get exposed to a parasite. And instead of your body fighting that off, now it collects into your system. So it becomes a snowball effect, essentially. And this is when, a little bit later down the line, that all of a sudden people feel like their bodies are shutting down on them. Or they feel like all, there was this abrupt incident with all of these symptoms that came to the surface. And I always try to explain to people that you probably had things going on, but there was some level of a catalyst that happened that pushed you over the edge that caused these symptoms to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. And I really like doing this with clients and in trying to find what that trigger was, because oftentimes if you lay things out in almost a timeline format, you can really correlate, you know, you might look back and see that you had a lot of antibiotic use as a child or maybe you were born C-section and you didn't get colonized with some of our good probiotic microbes. And then maybe you know you had um, a stressful trigger, whether it was a loss of a loved one or a change in job or a change in environment, or maybe you got sick and that seemed to be that trigger. A lot of times these things are, it's a lifetime's worth of things that you're collecting and it's when you almost tip over the scale or, or the fountain starts to overflow that then you start to get those symptoms. I think that's really big for people because a lot of times people will come in and, and we'll discuss with them some of these findings and they, they're going to say, how did I get all this? Where did this all come from? And it's, it's letting them know that or, and letting you know that we're, we're constantly collecting these things. Every time we take a sip of uh, out of a glass or we touch a door handle, not to freak you out, um, but we do get exposed to these bacteria. So as Dr. Nicole was mentioning, the immune system is really, really important because it is going to, once it becomes kind of overburdened with these, then we, we don't necessarily tolerate or we can't hold off some of these different infections. Exactly. And you might be thinking, you know, okay, well, how does this happen to a child necessarily? And, you know, you mentioned before the C-section. So, you know, I would say the most typical pattern that we see in kids that are dealing with either pandas or even something along the lines of autism, which definitely has um, neuropsychiatric complications as well, is we're usually hearing a history of mom struggled with fertility, maybe went down the road of fertility treatment, 
um, which could have been, the infertility could have been caused maybe by deficiencies or mom had infections, things like that. And then if mom did have infections, that was potentially passed to the child at birth. And then maybe there was a C-section. So like Dr. Brooke mentioned, that there was not that exposure to that really, really good beneficial flora in the vaginal canal, which is going to start jumpstart the immune system. And then um, this child maybe had a lot of ear infections, a lot of antibiotics, which further burden the immune system. And then on top of it, we have a very aggressive vaccine schedule. It's very different than what it was 10, 15 years ago. So if this child was maybe their immune system was borderline or their immune system was low functioning, then we start to bring in these rounds of vaccines, which they're working directly with the immune system. That's the purpose of them. But unfortunately, if the immune system is fragile, sometimes it could be a tipping point. And that's what can kind of take things over the edge. Um, and then in addition, you know, one of the aspects of vaccines to understand is there is aluminum in them. It's really, it's not an opinion. It's not a, an idea. It's on the ingredient label. Um, the thing is, is that when people started catching wind about mercury being in the vaccines, what the companies have done is they've cut down the amount of mercury in the vaccinations. And what they've done is more than quadrupled the amount of aluminum. And it's, like I said, on the ingredient label. So it's not really just about even the specific organism that we're putting into the body to create the immune response, but we also are piggybacking some heavy metal exposure at the same time. So it's kind of this culmination of things that happen at a very, very early age that can just be too stressful to the child's immune system, and that can potentially start to induce some very extreme symptoms. Yeah, and that even got me thinking, too, about um, children with reoccurrent strep throat infections because the likelihood is not that they are continuing to actually get exposed to it. It's that this bacteria is hanging out within the body and maybe an antibiotic is taken and it's fighting back some of that bacteria, but then you're actually maybe having some resistance against different strains of the antibiotic. Um, and so these infections are, it's not that we're continuing to get re-exposed, it's that it's still in the system. And that's how, you know, that could be uh, a sign that it, it could be playing a role. Yeah, and I think that's huge to explain because, you know, I think a lot of us hear different things happening in the food industry. We don't necessarily understand a lot of it. But, you know, just when you hear uh, the chicken and antibiotic free, now that's on, you know, all of the labeling for, uh, you know, purchasing chicken cutlets, chicken breasts, etc. And it's something that we're kind of like, oh, I heard that's good. So let me get it. But when you really think about what's going on is we're eating tons of animal protein that is pumped full of a ton of antibiotics. And you might be making a good effort when you're home, but also if you are eating out on the regular, you're getting exposed to the antibiotic chicken. Mm -hmm. So the, the use of antibiotics in this day and age is quite abundant. Even if you're not necessarily taking it because you're sick, you could be getting it from the food that you're eating. So, you know, and especially when you're dealing with young kids, 
you know, you go to a restaurant, what's on the menu? It's pretty much chicken, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, hot you know, dogs. hot dogs, a lot of these more processed meats that are going to be chock full of these antibiotics. So these children are developing antibiotic resistance, then they're getting sick and they're throwing antibiotics at them and they're not working. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to understand kind of the overuse of certain things can definitely create some level of resistance. So like Brooke was saying is, it's not that you're getting reoccurring infections. It's just the infections were never gone in the first place. And you will not stay sick because the body always strives to adapt. So the body will not keep you in a state that for three months you're going to be sick. It will kind of, you know, have its highs and lows essentially of, okay, I feel pretty good. I think, you know, I'm on, my, on the way out. And then boom, all of a sudden you get sick again. So it will definitely ebb and flow. So jumping back to the conversation about pandas and pans, now when we have children uh, with these diagnoses or symptoms coming in, let's talk a little bit more about kind of how they would go through the process here at Integrative Wellness Group. Yeah, so one of the things that we've really worked on is trying to create some different options for kids uh, to get proper diagnostics but also get treatment that is friendly to a child because, you know, running blood work on kids is not always the easiest and usually they're not always compliant. But then in addition, um, it's not realistic necessarily for kids to be taking tons of medications or supplements or herbs. So it's having other therapies in place that they can have tremendous benefit with. So with that being said, um, one of the diagnostics that we use here is something that was created by Dr. Klinghardt. It's called autonomic response testing. It is a type of muscle testing that we utilize uh, in office. So we usually do use, um, it's called a surrogate. So there is somebody that assists in the process of the testing so that the child is not necessarily having to um, have their specific muscles muscle tested. So this is something very, very helpful because it's non-invasive and it gives us a lot of information about the areas of the body that are the most stressed. Uh, We will run some very basic blood work, uh, which is going to include include those autoantibodies that we mentioned earlier that are very, very specific to pandas. So there's... um, the anti-streptolysin, which is the most common that we are going to run. And then we also have some additional markers called anti-DNAase and then also the anti-basal ganglia. So these are just different markers that are going to give us information to know if there is this uh, autoimmune component happening to the strep um, and if someone or the child truly does have pandas. Uh, We will always be testing for heavy metal exposure, Lyme's disease, mold. So we will get this information from a combination of testing. So uh, urine sample, hair sample, blood analysis, as well as the autonomic response testing. And then from there, once we have the clear picture, we're able to utilize some very, very specific ways to help to not only get the strep out of the body, but also balance the immune system and uh, resolve any additional co-infections. So we use a combination of something called low-dose immunotherapy. We're also utilizing um, dietary changes. We're utilizing uh, detoxification therapies that are very friendly to kids. Um, And then we also will use some moderate supplement herb use. um, And we obviously make sure that it is going to be suitable for the child. If that means we're hiding things in smoothies or if we are, you know, mixing them into yogurts or applesauces, uh, we definitely make it as doable as possible. 
uh, because we want to appeal to, you know, the the tastes and also the age of the, the child. Yeah, and we also have a, a ionic detoxification foot baths, which is a really, really great option for kids. Um, we've got tons of children that have had really great success with them, and that's something, again, that's pretty friendly to kids, and they think it's kind of fun, too, so... Um, But we wanted to extend an offer to you for a free 15-minute strategy call with one of our clinicians to discuss if this is something that might be suitable for yourself or someone in your family. And you can head over to integrativewellnessgroup.com to schedule that. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.